morning, good morning. You are listening to Good Morning Radio. You here on the decks with Daddy Long Life, the OG Lady Killer. Alright. Grab yourself a cup of tea and me. Hold the decks there, DJ. We got our first caller in. Hello, hello. Good morning to you. Hey, good morning to you. I got a, hey, am I on the radio? Yo, moms, moms, I'm on the radio. That's right. Ah, ha, ha, ha. That's right. It's Daddy Long Legs here. You listen to Good Morning Radio. What's your name, caller? Hey, my name, um, I'm Toby Tope, man. Hey, I'm Toby Tope. Hey, good morning, Toby Tope. What you got for us today? I got, uh, I got my homies. I need a shout out. They, they just be holding me down. All right. I, I need to give them some love. All right, now. Go on. Now. All right, I got, I got a few now. Am I all good to go? All right. I got Helena. I got Laura. I got Tara. I got okay. Jane. Good morning, James. Sammy Dudley. I got Pippi. I got, All right. I got Joe Damon. Hey. Finley. Good morning, James. Jamie. Ness. Tom. Oh, Elias. I know. I got a lot of homies. They holding me down. I got Jared. I got Alex. Ezekiel. Vicky. Nation. Charitha. Don't forget Charitha. Hey. All right, Chad. Oh, my, my guy. My good guy. Good morning, Charitha. Hey, good morning to all the homies out there. Any, any special words you want to put out for them? Hey, I just want to say thank you for supporting me. Thank you. Appreciate you. We got some good stuff coming for y'all. We got some good stuff coming. Hey, all right. Thank you so much, Toby. Toby, don't let the record play. And don't forget, good morning to y'all. All right, honeybees, I'm going to let y'all glow and go. Now let's get back to your favorite show. Please note that this is the second part of our episode on Tawiki Oterea Māori. We will be making references to topics and things that we talked about in part one, so if you haven't listened to part one, please go back and listen to that part. The article was published on September 2019, uh, actually the 11th of September 2019, uh, which says Air New Zealand wants to trademark Kia ora. Tagline says, should Air New Zealand be able to trademark Kia ora? So that's the t- no other once, con- a- once again, stuff is really just being like, I see you. Here you go. I see you stuff. Here you go. Nothing misleading. This is exactly what it says. That's all it says. Um, it, it was a very big talking point, you know. Air New Zealand, as people would know, is the airline. One of the biggest brands for New Zealand in the world. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And it's also one of the best airlines in the world. In the world. Yeah. yeah. It's fantastic. Um, First comment we're going to look at is from Tanya. Tanya says, well, this is rich considering Air New Zealand will not employ staff with visible top record. (laughs) You thought we forgot. (laughs) I see you, Tanya. That's nice. We forgot. That's nice. Nice, Tanya. Actually, applause for that. Yeah. It's got to. Big time applause for that. Nice. It is rich. Uh, There is a massive problem here. Air New Zealand, a few months before this, um, had actually told Sidney Hiramaya that he would not be hired. Because, and I quote, the body art you have declared does not comply with our uniform standards for roles wearing the koru uniform. The what uniform, please? The, the koru uniform. Do you My know what a koru? God. Yeah, it's a it's a Maori. Yeah. Oh no, I know it's what it is. Maori I was word. just saying how stupid it is that they're going to say that you exactly. can't have a tamoko and then literally have that I mean, in the, as the uniform. For those who do not know what a tamoko is, it is uh, an expression of and well, expression and celebration of Maori culture and identity, and it is a, a tattoo. Yeah. Now, you can get the tamako on your arm, on your leg. I know people that have them on, on their chins. On the neck sometimes. On their face. Yeah. Um, and once again, a celebration of Maori culture. And it's also, and I don't know how to read it, but I do know it's representative of your whakapapa and your heritage, right? So you can see things in the tamako 
that represent mm. your family, your lineage, right? And there's a lot of tattoo parlors that won't actually do the tomical. Because they just don't have the skills and they don't necessarily understand the culture exactly you know and a shout out to them as well for and it's yeah and it's cool because they might say we can't do this but i'm a recommend a place that will it's funny there's a story about how somebody came in asking i think for a traditional uh, maori tattoo the tattoo parlor said no we can't we don't have the skills we don't necessarily feel comfortable doing that they recommended somewhere else and then that person came back and then dragged the original tattoo parlor online what? and they gave the most calm response like this is what happened. You came in. We said we couldn't do it. Yeah. We recommended a place that we know does an incredible job. Oh, yeah. Thank you. That's so good. That's, and that's that. That's so good. I know one of my mates uh, does Tomokos, and they told me about this one case where there was somebody who was traveling from Europe, and they wanted uh, that. But, like, the way how she shut them down was so calm because it was like a, okay, so tell me about your family. <laughs> Tell me about your marae. What is your manga? Yeah. And they were like, oh, um, and I was like, nah, bro. Nah, cause nah, bro. Nah. Like, you can't just get the tattoo because yeah. it looks mint. Yeah. Um, so very rich of New Zealand to decline this, this <sighs> expression of, as this is expression of culture and yeah. heritage and family and what that means to you. And they were like, nah, your body art can't be mm. on that. Nah, nah, it doesn't cause. go with our kuru uniform. <laughs> oh. Can you imagine Sydney being like told that or reading that? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, really? Like, really? Oh, really? I see you. Okay. The intern that wrote that email was probably sweating. Absolutely. Are you sure? I have to send the... Yeah. Uh, no, like, are you no, sure? No, no, no. Like, like, we're sending this out. Yeah. Like, you know this is going to go on the internet probably after. Um, no, well... No, no, no. What are you talking about? Of course, just a letter of rejection. Just send it. Uh, and intern hitting send, like, goodbye to my career. Yeah. Hitting send and then sending his resignation. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> not me. Next comment is from Israel. Israel says, How convenient of you to want to trademark a Maori word during Maori Language Week, yet turn those away who wanted to work for the company based on their tamakos and diminish that rule as of recent because of backlash. And may I also point out your logo representation is of Maori koru. Support Maori significance when it suits you or for promotional purposes and profits. And to kind of call back to the previous comment, the clickbaity title. So the title said that they want to they want to trademark Kyoto just like the phrase. But was it because I think from my times traveling on New Zealand, it's the magazine. It's the title. Magazine. Oh, the magazine. Oh, it's called Kyoto. That is correct. I got you. Yes, that is correct. Ding ding. Hey, points for Tabby. Hey, thank you. Because yeah, the clickbaity headline was like, "Yo, y'all want to just trademark the name, like the the phrase, the phrase, the entire phrase." So like, I can't say it without paying New Zealand a check. That is incorrect. That's crazy. That is incorrect. They are actually trademarking also the way it's written so the font oh, and the, the font size the yeah. and everything so Kyoto is actually their in-flat magazine ah uh, yeah and that that trademark itself went through with a bunch of other things right oh so they, had so other they tried to trademark a bunch of stuff from that magazine down to the rug like and they went and did Kyoto now <laughs> let's let's look at let's, let's go to Israel's comment though Israel says that you know, just before my language week, y'all trying to trademark this. Which, as you as you pointed out, now they're trying to trademark the logo. Still, timing is everything. <laughs> 
I don't care if you were trying to trademark the logo for the magazine. It's Maori language, but you know how that no. sounds. Yeah. There Someone, must have been somebody at that board like... It was like, shoot. No. Mm-hmm. Now we can just push it through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why are all our interns sweating? <laughs> it's so weird that they just... They just all spontaneously just started getting sweat. nervous. Like, oh, they weird. all typing and they mouthing resignate. Like, what? Uh, anyways, can you send off that trademark for Harper? <laughs> Uh, um, but also, Israel's right. 2013, a Maori woman was uh, turned down. She was turned down uh, for a ear hostess role uh, at Air New Zealand because of her tamoko. And Air New Zealand said at the time, and it's a totally different uh, email to what Sydney got, um, Air New Zealand said uh, it didn't allow them as some passengers would not feel comfortable, uh, regardless of what the tattoos were, whether they're considered cultural or not. Which I think is just so tone deaf. That's so weak. That is so tone deaf. Come on. <sighs> you, you literally air New Zealand. It's not even like this is American Airlines. Like, we don't understand what that means. So, <laughs> so and it's yeah. like, okay, yeah, fair enough. But no, this is air New Zealand. And then I think I remember at the time, did, did John Key chip up? John Key said uh, he disagreed with the airline's argument uh, that it would put off tourists. And then he was quoted in saying, it would be a problem if it did, because a lot of Maori events they go to, there are lots of tattoos. <laughs> So if your passengers are getting offended at the tattoo on an air hostess, they're probably going to get offended a lot more when they yeah, get they off the plane. Yeah, they shouldn't come through. Like, they just, they just shouldn't they probably through. stay in their home, to be fair. And I think you. you were talking about before how, some, and I guess this is on some flights, where if you land in New Zealand in Auckland International Airport, is there a haka on... Every okay now I've come from the international terminal a few times, but when I moved here, there was definitely a kapa haka group. Yeah, performing a haka, and they were also in traditional clothing. So, yeah. you could see, tamokos, you could see everything. Yeah, it was it was a honestly like a beautiful introduction to the, com- yeah. to the country. But that's happened I think three or four times I've come to the international lounge. And I think it's beautiful. Oh, it is. It's it's such a welcoming introduction. Then, I don't know, you ever been to the States and you just stand up in a customs line for two hours <laughs> and there are men with guns there? Well, and it's wild. In uh, Vegas, there are pokies just right there. Like, really? Like, yeah, man. Right there when you when oh, you go when man. you go through. And I'm like, yeah, I really about this commercialization. Yeah. And honestly, you got to respect it. So to round off Israel's comment, absolutely correct. Um it looks like Air New Zealand is trying to profit off Kyoto. It looks like mm. they're trying to profit off Maori culture without actually allowing, um, you, I guess, embracing Maori they're honestly culture. Just gatekeeping it. Oh, yeah, right? exactly right. And that is, I guess, the issue is so much commercialization. Especially when they're literally the first introduction that some people might have to Maori culture. I mean, for me, I didn't know it at the time, but seeing the Kauri when I was flying over to New Zealand for the first time, like that was probably my first interaction. Oh, with yeah. the culture absolutely I mean I remember when I was I'm no shame in saying this at all I remember when I was um, we flew in to New Zealand and I remember like knowing that oh yeah Kyoto is the way you say it but I said Kiora because I had no idea yeah, how to man. pronounce that stuff and the fact of the matter is that if they trademarked Kyoto and I didn't even know how to say it when I saw it I was like man like maybe we should be incorporating this a little bit more <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should learn this in like school. Maybe we should be talking it instead yeah. of just me reading it. Yeah. But um, going on to the last comment that we're going to look at, where Farrell says, "This is a test who he who reads articles and who only reads headlines." You brought it up before. <laughs> Absolutely, this this headline is completely misleading. 
right. Uh, I'm going to slap stuff with a whip bus ticket. And it's... Bro, I want to know where that phrase comes from. Oh, we need to search that up yeah, sometime. Yeah, right, we'll search it up later on. Next episode, we'll talk about it. <laughs> um, the headline, yeah, headline's entirely misleading. They are trying to trademark the in-flight magazine title. Yeah. However, a lot of advisors went on, right on record was saying, we told them that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> we, when your internal advisors are like, I don't know about this one. Yeah, especially when you're a billion-dollar company, for yeah. your advisors to be like, ah, uh, nah, chief. Nah, I'm not sure about this It's got to be problematic. Yeah. And as we can tell, it was. Yeah, like, who was the senior leadership person that was like, nah, we good. I, I really want to know, I want to know, I yeah. really would love to know. And, I mean, we could talk about the commercialization of the Maori culture for, I mean, episodes and episodes. And, I mean, I don't want to say that it sort of brings tension. I don't want to say that at all. But I want to talk about how Te Reo Maori has been incorporated in some places. And it actually has brought tension. I mean, because we can see it in these comments. But what about some real-life, real-world events mm-hmm. where we have seen people actually, like, I don't want to say up in arms, but being like, nah. Nah, not today. Nope. 2018, November 29th, New Zealand Herald posted an article that says Te Reo Māori names to be considered for hundreds of Auckland parks. Tagline says, your local Auckland park could be about to gain a Māori name. Bang, bang on your buck. Yeah, look at that tagline. That tagline. That tagline is like, your park. You. People, they're reading that like, no. Not me. Not my park. But I live in Gisborne. (laughs) First comment we're going to look at is from Deborah. Deborah says, Why? So much in New Zealand has Maori names already. Does everything have to have a Maori name? I mean, does Deborah understand how, like, translation to language? Someone has Deborah with the Linguistics 101 book. Uh, If everything has an English name, uh, it means that also everything will have a Maori name in translation. Or in history, because they were here first. <laughs> Come on, Deborah. Yeah, Deb. It might actually be that everything has a Maori name, and we have given English names to some things. Yeah. Come on. I wonder how Deb would feel if she found that things could also have, like, a Spanish name. Oh. Or, like, a French name. Oh, my Lord. Or, like, a sign language name. Do you reckon she hates being called Debbie? Why are you about to just like change the name of the Doctor Debbie just to like add her? I mean, <laughs> why does it have to have a nickname? <laughs> but this is my name. <laughs> no, Deborah, <laughs> yeah. you're wrong. Everything but, does have a Maori name. But I think, interestingly enough, it was what a couple hundred or like a hundred parks, right? Mm-hmm. I imagine Auckland just in and of itself will have. A thousand parks or something like that. I mean, you're a bit off. It's actually 4,100. Oh, my bad, my bad. Yeah, yeah there's 4,100 parks across the across the whole bloody place. And they're looking at a hundred. Yeah. And Deborah's saying, does everything need... I... I want to I point out that the, it says that they're looking at hundreds in the headline. But it's actually thousands. Yeah, oh, I see. I got yeah, you. New Zealand Herald gets you on the hundreds of places about to be. Nope, it's four thousand one hundred that are in the conversation. I I see. Yeah, exactly. And they, they said that the scale of the program is actually mad, mad, like large. Mm. All right. Um, but yeah, so there's a hundred places that 
are definitely in the review for the first round to be like, oh, I see. We're going to see how this goes. I got you. But the completion is 4,000. <laughs> <laughs> I did. My bad. My bad. Next comment is from Hinimore. Hinimore says, Carpi, I'll tell you, let's give them Maori names. But first, can we consider the cost of changes for everything? It might be cheaper just to feed the homeless and sponsor children. If for those who do not know, Carpi just means good or very good. So... It might be cheaper to feed the homeless and sponsor children than rename parks. All right, I'm going to go off. I, I didn't even have to say anything, did All I? All right, can you make sure, cue the music? Yo, that's nice. Thank you. Thank Good. you. Thank you. So let's look at whether it actually it would be cheaper to feed the homeless and sponsor children. So when I was doing some research into homelessness in New Zealand, I found that there are three categories of homelessness. There's transitionally homeless episodically homeless and chronically homeless so transitionally homeless is described as normally a short period of time families dominate this group and it's normally caused by redundancy uh breakdown in a family relationship or health issues for a short period of time and that normally accounts for about 80 percent of the homeless population then there's episodically homeless which is normally about 10 to 15 percent of the population caused by unfortunately mental health issues trauma and debt kind of emerging from that trauma then there's chronically homeless these are people who have spent more than a year on the streets and with a bit of quick maths that group of chronically homeless tends to make up about five to ten percent of the hope of the homeless population damn that i mean I didn't even know you could break down homelessness. Yeah. Well, I think if you're trying to enact policies that address homelessness, you can't just have broad range blanket policies because there are different reasons as to why people unfortunately do end up homeless. In 2018, the Ministry of Housing and Urban Development actually looked at the numbers of people in New Zealand who have experienced some type of homelessness, right? And they estimated that there are about 41,600 people that were experiencing severe housing deprivation. And when I say severe housing deprivation that's a term which is which is quite a modern term and is used to describe people who have historically been described as homeless because when you think of homeless there are some negative connotations to it you think of you might think of say that person living on the street when actually there are people living in garages living in overcrowded houses living in bus stops underneath bridges that we don't know about but are considered to be severely housing deprived. I almost might think of it as well as like, you know, people that are sitting on couches. Because when you're talking about like, you know, transitional homeless, yeah, man. I know a lot of students that were like, I haven't found a flat yet. Absolutely. That happens. We can all count multiple people that are still looking for places. I mean, oh, when yeah. I lived up in Auckland, there was like most flats in and around that January, February, March would have somebody else staying on a couch because of the fact that they hadn't found a place. And that, in that case, is transitionally homeless. And that does count in those numbers. So if you do some quick maths with that 41,600, you find there are about 33,280 people transitionally homeless, 6,240 episodically homeless, and then about 2,000 chronically. And now go back to Otago University. They completed a study that calculated the cost of a basket of food designed to meet the dietary requirements for males, females, adolescents, school-age children, a lot of different groups within New Zealand. And they made this calculation based on Auckland and Eden, Wellington, and Christchurch. Now, quick caveat here, those are some of the biggest cities in the country. Food is going to be more expensive in those locations. So if you're living rurally, I imagine the prices would actually be lower. But as an example, 
So for a male in Auckland, they calculated it costs about $71 a week to purchase a basket of goods that meet your dietary requirements. So that's 68 in Wellington, 70 in Christchurch, and 68 in Dunedin. So the goal of this here is to multiply the cost by the numbers of people who are homeless to get an overall idea of how much it would cost to feed the homeless for, and we'll calculate it for a year, but there are a number of caveats to this. As I said, cost of living in cities is higher than in rural areas. Uh, the, these figures are going to be calculated for individuals, so if you're a family and you're homeless, that doesn't necessarily take into account that you may buy a litre of butter and you can share that amongst all four of you, all five of you that are homeless. Of course, yeah, sharing, okay. And also, I'm going to be looking at another caveat. So in 2018, 36% of New Zealand's population were men aged over 20, so I'm going to assume that 36% of the homeless population are also men aged over 20. And then lastly, before we get to the calculation of this, I'm basing this off the fact that somebody who is transitionally homeless would have been homeless for one month out of a year, someone who is episodically homeless would be homeless for three months out of the year, and someone who's chronically homeless would have been homeless for the full 12 months. So if you run some calculations based on the number of, say, men that aged over 20 that would have been homeless, that would have, say, been episodically homeless, you can get a general idea as to how much it would have cost for an entire year. So when you run those numbers, I estimate that would cost about $5 million to feed the episodically homeless people, $8.8 million to feed the transitionally homeless, and $6.6 million to feed the chronically homeless people. So that equates to $20.3 million to feed all homeless people in New Zealand for a year. That's just a rough oh, estimation. $20.3 million. Yeah, man. Jeez. Does that figure surprise you? Is that too high? Is it too low? I mean, well, well first of all, thank you for breaking down homelessness. I, I didn't know any of that. Hey, it's all good. And I mean, I was even trying to read through it in the notes, and I was like, no, <laughs> let's do it to make any sense. Um, but I, I was just kind of thinking about, okay, you got that 20-odd 20, 20 million, and Hennemore was like, okay, well, how much is it actually going to cost to rename these parks? Yeah. You know, could we fix homelessness first? Which, by the way, great comment. Mm. Great idea. So I ran the numbers on the on the parks and you stuff. You the parks? All right, you hit the parks, then I'll hit you with the sponsor the child. Okay, bet. So the parks itself doesn't actually take that much to do, okay? But we have to think of some outside-of-the-box things, right? So let's say you're living next to Eden Park, yeah. which is not a park for people who are listening. Out there. <laughs> yeah, Eden right. Park is a stadium. You don't just go chill there like, yo, let's go to Eden Park for oh. brunch. Like. But Eden Park in itself... Uh, has its name and it has its title and you would imagine that people would be like oh this is a tourist destination cool and then you have places like anderson park which is in the botanical gardens in wellington right so houses next to eden park are going to have massive massive property value because it's next to eden park eden park has its own personality it's got its own reputation you can charge more for even taking a taxi close to eden park oh yeah right Anderson Park in Wellington, not so much. It's just in the Botanical Gardens. You know, a few football games play there every year. It doesn't really make a difference. But the property value of places around that park is not going to be the same. So you have to sort of regulate with the council, okay, if we change this name, what's going to happen to property value? Mm. And you have, to, you have to talk to those people that own those houses, whether it be like, you know, a property management or whether it be some landlords being like, hey, we're going to change this park name. The value may go down or up doesn't really matter right and then you have to get licensing right oh that's a process bro yeah it's very very much a process right so we gotta change park name signs we gotta change it to maps that's true on maps phone books 
you may not live on Eden Park Avenue anymore. True. Okay, so we got to change that. That doesn't cost that much money. Oh, it doesn't? Oh, bro. No. The way you were stacking up, I was like, damn, bro. Uh, like, I'm I might sorry. be on to something. I'm sorry. Even, even as we are being like, oh, the council wants to change these names or whatever, I'm sure that they would still have a budget for that. Yeah, you're right. right. So even then, we're not at that much money. And so the last process, which I think is the more lengthy process and probably, yeah. I, I guess, more uh, financially pressured, is the branding. Right? So... If we're having tours to Eden Park, we gotta let people know that this is no longer called Eden Park. Uh, we gotta let people know that, you know, like schools around there, we gotta look at mm, businesses. There'll all- be a lot of schools called Eden, maybe like Eden Park Primary or something. Uh, I mean, yeah, and businesses as well that are using that. Um, but also, in terms of branding, and this is a optional cost, understand that if you change the name or something, you have to change something else about the park, right? Because imagine if this was just this trash park. And then they just changed it to a Maori name, and they just did nothing else with the park. It's like, <laughs> okay, you updated the name. Nice. It's still the same shitty park. No, new Year, same you. Yeah, exactly, right? So there is a level of rebranding to that, right? But you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna toss it back to you because I got my, I got my number figure here. I'm interested to hear yours. Now, when you look at sponsoring a child, that number is a lot more difficult to calculate. Cause, I mean children have different needs, different things they need supported. So this is almost somewhat of a crude calculation. But if you look at two of our biggest uh, sponsored child organizations, that's Variety and Kids Can, they have sponsorships for as, and I use air quotes, as little as $45 and $30 respectively per month for different services. Now Variety is more expensive because they provide more holistic services like school stationery and support for after school activities. And if I'm looking at myself in my childhood, those after-school activities were the biggest parts of my development. I mean, the, the lessons you learn from playing sports in a team, like oh, winning with a team, losing with a team, that's critically important for a, children's, for a child's development. I mean, Andrew Beecroft, youth court judge, he says, I'm not sure if he says it now, but back then, he'd say a child in sport is a child at a court. Now, that's a very linear understanding of why children yeah, <laughs> why children maybe experience difficulties growing that. up. But to some degree, at the lowest level, playing sport for me was beneficial to my development. Absolutely. And and we see it time and time again of, you know, big sports stars saying like, oh, sport was what I needed to get out of a situation that I was in, right? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Now, they're approximately 1.1 million children under the age of 18 in New Zealand as per the 2018 census and there's the common mantra slash statistics that a quarter of Kiwi kids live in poverty so that's approximately 275,000 Kiwi kids that live in poverty and that's a lot man that is that's a horrible stat like I know sometimes when we go through these statistical calculations we just the numbers just roll off the tongue we just have to take a step back and be like every single number there is like, that's a that's a child that's a child that's who's a child going to school hungry who doesn't have the stationery they need might not be wearing shoes and that's a child with potential absolutely oh man that's, that's tough man and when you take an average of the variety sponsorship and ki- and kids can sponsorship, that's $37.5. So when you calculate the 275,000 Kiwi kids, multiply that by the $37.5, oh. that equates to $10 million for one week. Oh, I was about to say $10 million. Oh, that's actually a lot cheaper than a... Oh, that's in one week. For one week. 
And when you multiply that by 52, it's about 536 million. <sighs> I like how calmly you deliver that to me. Because yeah, I, I knew I was going to lie. I kind of clickbaited you a little bit saying, so, oh, yeah, that's 10 million. 500 and so 500 plus million. Yeah. What are you telling to sponsor me? Kiwi Kids for a year. Okay. Um, and think, if we wanted to improve the experience of all Kiwi Kids, I mean, that's like, that's just sponsoring them. And that that's a very, as I said, crude calculation, but that gives you the idea mm-hmm. of the needs of our children in New Zealand. Bruh. Oh, bro. Uh, okay. Y- you said that, and, and now my number sounds a little bit worse, but I'm going to talk to you about the rebranding project in 2018 about Christchurch. Yeah, man. Christchurch City Council were basically like, yo, we just got like a lot of subsidiaries and stuff, and we're just trying to bring y'all in. Similar to how the Auckland City Council is like, yo, we're just going to test this out with 100 parks. Yeah. Christchurch City Council were like, yo, 70 different entities are now going to just become Christchurch City Council, one logo, just rebranding everything. Um, it's going to take two years to about, like to do it. Uh, it costs $54,000 over two years. Bro, when you signed up 54, I was like, oh, that's stacks, stacks. Over two, over two years, $54,000 over two years is what it costs. Yeah. And it also costs the taxpayer. Yeah. So we're looking at $27,000 a year as opposed to 500 and something million. Yeah. All right. Well, Hinemore, love the comment. However, (laughs) however, uh, it is way cheaper to just rebrand some stuff. Um, And also, it's nice. And I'm not saying feeding homeless people, like, won't be nice. Yeah. But for $536 million, we might as well just get a new flag. <laughs> bro, don't even. Like what I did don't there? Don't even. Don't even. You like don't what even I did start. there? Don't even. Bro. <laughs> you, gonna, you gonna tease him like that? <laughs> Next comment is from Tracy. Tracy says, I think it's a great idea as New Zealanders Maori is a part of our culture. As a Pākehā, I feel privileged to be a part of it. Bro, thank you for adding in a good comment. Because sometimes these episodes are getting negative as hell, and I'm like, damn, bro. Hey, Tracy, good morning. Tracy, good morning. Good morning. Applause. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Knowing knowing just what to say, what to do. What shout out, Tracy. Tracy, one time. God, like Tracy. (laughs) As a Pakiha, I feel privileged to be a part of it. That's that's how it should be. And that's that's the that's the energy and attitude all of us have to have moving forward. And I mean, not even just as Pakiha, but as me and you as immigrants to New Zealand. Absolutely. Hey, Maori is a part of our culture. Let's move forward with that. Let's let's make sure we embrace it and normalize it. Perfect. Thank you, Tracy. Last comment is from Richard. Richard says, and he quotes from the article, the council hopes that renaming will foster learning of Te Reo Maori and the associated Auckland Maori history and values. His comment then starts, will it do this? Or will it simply foster resentment as the communities and places people know and love will have their names changed with zero input or consultation? This is a great comment. Mm. It's a fantastic comment. Once again, we talked about why we hate reading these comments about people talking about, I was at home watching the case and yeah. I didn't hear, <laughs> didn't hear any today on Maori, so yeah. I don't need it. Um, but here's Richard actually asking a question, um, and it's a great question it's a good itself. Question. Will it create... Like you know, will it create resentment, or mm. or will it actually be appreciation? Like, you know, yeah, like will we appreciate this? Um, and I think it's important for everybody to know at home as well that we don't have anything written down for this comment. Nah, because 
it's more of a what do you think mm. you know and i mean will it discourage other people hey possibly i know that back in my day in in bro t- are we old enough to say back in our day are we let me live all right all right go on let go me off. live right you're now. right you're right back in my day in year 10 today on maori when we did i remember we had to do pepeha right and i had just finished writing mine and you had to do a pepeha every morning right so you get you get up to class the teacher would say karakia and then you'd say your pepeha and then everybody would sit down right and it was chosen at random as well right um, and most kids, because they were Maori, knew their PPR. I did not. And so we had just finished working on mine. And the teacher um, chose me to say mine. And there were a bunch of words that I mispronounced. Yeah. And one of the kids, I'll never forget, Josh laughed at me when I said Ingoa instead of Ingwa. And, like, teacher, uh, like, she didn't hit him, but she was basically like, don't you ever... Yeah. Don't you ever laugh at somebody trying to like speak the language because it only discourages him. That's the biggest fact. And that I was is like, Damn. Your, shout out to your teacher. Honestly, Yo. good morning to your teacher. Hey, good morning, Fire Alley. If you listen to this, shout hey, out to shout you. Shout out to you. Um but yeah, and that was that was the big, I guess, energy in, in Qatar College of like if people are speaking it and they're mispronouncing some stuff, don't laugh at them. Go over to them and be like, Oh, Hey, it's actually, this is how it's done. It's actually not pronounced like that, but you're good. But you're good. Keep going. Keep yeah, going. you're good. And like my teacher definitely did that. She'd stop me and be like, "Oh, this is how you pronounce that." But keep going. You're doing well. And it's like, "Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you." And that was like the best appreciation I could get. And that actually made me want to learn the language even more, right? And I know that it's definitely different for like you know different people. I'm not going to sit here with my confirmation bias and act like my year ten today on Maori nah, bro, go hard. was the entire world to me. <laughs> But I mean, what's your experience with it? It's hearing you contrast that experience against mine, my perspective, and this may have been, I went to a school in Calvin, which isn't necessarily the most diverse place, right? And then from there, I went to high school, Wellington College, and my family's and my perspective at that time was learning te reo, learning Māori was for Māori kids to do. So I never took Māori at school. Now at this point, massive regrets about doing that because I wish that I learned it as a language and learned my pepeha. Right. You know? Yeah. But in your experience there with that teacher, I'm so, so grateful they said that because, I mean, even if you just take that to a more global scale, if someone is coming to you and they're unsure about a topic, even if it's controversial, and they're coming here asking you, asking a question like they are in a comment, you have so much power in that moment. Oh, Yeah. Because if you laugh at them and you crush them, you've lost them. Oh, yeah. You've lost them completely. They're just going to be galvanized with their pre with the view they had before. Versus yeah. This is literally a learning opportunity. So I'm so, so glad that your teacher was like, no, no, no. Don't laugh at him. Let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation about it. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's talk about the pronunciation and let's move forward. Because so it's, it's just such a good opportunity for growth. Exactly. And the, and the moving forward bit is so, so in, integral to like, yeah, like I still want to learn this language. I'm still here. And that is essentially why, like, I think, and per- I mean, I already put Kai Tai on the pedestal enough, but I think that we have one of the best cultures of integrating English into the Maori, because you go up there, and even all of our teachers will just, just put some in a sentence, you know? And I mean, that's how I learned so much of my Te Maori, just, like, picking up on different and words. listening and then and incorporating then, it. And then going to class and then putting that in sentence structures. Yeah. You know, so... 
No, yeah, definitely shut out my fire. Um, but to the comment, in this situation where Auckland Council is like, uh, we're going to rename the parks, mm. I kind of get where Richard's coming from because this almost seems a little bit tokenistic. That I was about to ask, do you think it's a tokenistic act? Yeah, because it's just naming 100 parks, also prompted by nothing, mm. right? Like, don't get me wrong, these parks, yeah, they probably do have a Maori name. Correct. But changing a hundred of them at a time and then going on to change thousands of the name is like, okay, what are you trying to achieve yourself? Because it's part of a wider movement. Yeah, exactly. It would need to be because just having the name there isn't going to get Martin more incorporated in day-to-day life. Exactly. And, and I mean, even while people are still calling it Auckland when it's Tamaki Makoto, like, okay, why don't we just change the suburb names then? Yeah, you know, and I, uh, that happens in Wellington. I believe it just happened in Wellington this year, where we found out some of the names for, you know, some of the suburbs in Wellington, and they're like original Maori names, mm. and that was like, oh, damn, that's cool. Yeah, like that is okay. So that's the actual name. Yeah, bet we saw it with Hamilton, isn't it Kitty Kitty Or? Yeah, I think is like the original Maori name. And people were like, oh, didn't know that. Hey, I'm a call it Hamilton still, but it's still good to know and sometimes i might call it this 100% that's the pronunciation as well i mean i grew up in what i used to call karori and i learned the other day that it's actually pronounced and look i'm a apologist for butcher this karori and it just goes to show that i literally had no idea because everybody around me was pronouncing it like that and then when i learned now i'm like oh this is cool like i'm glad that i now know and look if the person who told me this is actually how it's pronounced laughed at me and Uh. said to me Debbie, bro, how could you? You would have moved suburbs. I'd feel that trash, and you I'd never say the word again in my you life. You would have moved suburbs. Exactly. You say I, 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 totally, I totally hear you. I totally get you. So to, to answer the question, do we feel as though it'll bring resentment to the communities? I feel as though a small proportion of people in and around the parks yeah. will be like, oh, I can't believe they changed the name. But ultimately, even if it is tokenistic, which it might be and probably is, I feel it's doing a little bit more good than bad. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's hopefully the first step in a wider mission and a wider purpose. I mean, let's hope so. And I, I don't I don't ever want to, you know, really end on, on a note like this um, because I guess it is an, an open-ended question. But you know what I'm going to do, Tabby? I'm going to round it back and I'm going to go off script. We're going to play a game. Oh, no. Yep. Oh no! We're gonna play a game, and don't worry, it's just gonna be a little fun, little thing. Cue the game music, please. Oh no! Thank you. Hey, welcome Tabby Sabanda to the oh, show. I don't know who that is. Yeah, that's hey, that's mad. We got you off the street, um, uh, you know, not transitional homeless type street, but it's good to see you looking the part. Uh, thank you. No more. It's looking good, baby. That's good. Hey, that's good. Hey, ninety-seven FM. So the way this the, the way this uh, works is all we're gonna do is we're gonna read out a sentence uh, the sentence will be in English and it will have one Māori word and I need you to just give me what that sentence means alright baby alright alright hey now first round first round okay I'm a little bit late for mahi I'm a little bit late for work that's correct the judges have yes the judges hey, have said you, yes you, mahi you. is translated to work or activity well done well done Round two. Would you like to come for a hikori? Five seconds on the clock. 
Yeah, I don't know that one. Bro. Hey, that's okay. Hey, we love a pass. That's all right, because we love to teach. A hikoi is a walk. Would you like to come on a walk? Hey, thank you, thank you. That's all right. Hey, the judges just stand it up. Hey, they love, they love it. Don't worry. Hey, you want out of two. How you feeling so far? I'm stressed, bro. I'm sweating like that intern from New Zealand, baby. That's right. There's a bucket right next to you. Round three. Can you give us a wieter? Can you give us a wieter? Nah, baby. That's all right. That's all right. And the judges have said, a wieter is a song. Oh, I know what a... Oh, Chad. Oh, I know what a why I thought you were legitimately asking me for a oh. why I know, I know what a song is. <laughs> okay. We just did a song at work, yeah. Are the judges gonna accept that? <laughs> Are you gonna drag me? You're right, bro. That's my understanding of the question. You're right. That's, okay. that's on me. That's on me. Uh, nah, you they're giving you. They're giving you half a point. Ah, uh, thank you. That's thank okay. Yo, I'm so right. filthy about that one. That's okay. All right. So we've got round four. Round four. Here we go. After lunch, my puku was a bit full. Yo, that one, that's stomach, baby. Hey, here we go. Thank hey, you. Tabby's done well here. Tabby's done very well. Two and a half from four. Two and, a, two and a half from four. He's looking very good. Round five, we want you to qualify for the bonus, Tabby. We really need you to get this one right. How you feeling? We just got, sweaty. We just got that second bucket for you. <laughs> Thank you. You're good, you're good. Round five is entry to this Kapahaka performance. It's just Koha. Entry to this Kapahaka performance. It's just Koha. To this Kapahaka performance. 10 seconds left. It's just Koha. Donation. And he's got it off in time. Well done. Oh, Tabby. Oh, that A. We're very happy for you. We're very happy for you here. 3.5 out of 5. Thank you. Well done. You've made the bonus round. Now this Thank one you. is for the Unpack Cup. I just want to say I've never seen somebody with so much finesse on this show. <laughs> I've never seen somebody handle the questions like you. And you've only sweated out two buckets. Thank you, babe. Can we get a third one, please? <sighs> so the last one is... Tabby is mastered in five Koruro. Tabby is mastered in five Koruro. So I know Cordero's conversation. Okay, mm-hmm. Okay, we can't give you any hints now, but I like where you're going. I let me have a guess. Five seconds, Tabby. Let me guess, I... Public speaking. Judges, can you? The judges have allowed that. The judges have allowed that. Oh it, is, God, it is the art of speech making five Cordero. I thank you. It's the art of public hey, speaking. Judges, bless you. Tabby, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Hey, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. So here's the unpacked cup. You are now invincible from being cancelled until the next episode. It's Ooh. so amazing to hey, just give you. this to you. Thank you, thank you. And uh, can we just uh, just get the lights back in here? Thank, thank you very you, much. Thank you. And the game show. Hey, well done. Hey. That was fantastic thank for you. you. But. To title and I know we kind of like clown a little bit. We joking around a little bit with the unpack cup, but I have never clowned one bit. You, yeah, you're right. You never clown, but it is incredibly important to, in this sense, if somebody is on a journey to learning something, learning a language, and you are the person with the power who knows it, or in whatever conversational context, you got to take them along that journey with you. Absolutely, absolutely. You got to understand, people don't know everything. People don't know it's everything. It's about growth and development. And people also would love to learn something. 100%. And, you know, there's only 1% of 
people in this world that just think they know everything. Yeah. You know, and, and they want to And they're in the stuff out. comments. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And just to tie this all out, we want to leave you on that question that Richard gave us. The one that we didn't write any notes for. The one that actually <laughs> let us be like, damn, is that so true? Yeah. With the normalization of today on Maori, and sometimes the little bit of tokenistic actions done by different businesses, do you think this fosters resentment for people that have had zero input in this change? Or do you think it encourages them to speak today on Maori? We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. This has been Kai. This has been Tabby. I will see you next time.